passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? I am good. Happy to be back, Sam. You know what I'm saying? I missed you, man. <laughs> I know. It's, it's It's been a minute. It's been a weird little whirlwind here. I had some, some breaks, some solo stuff, but uh yeah we're all back and ready to go talk some bruins uh gonna be talking a little spring football uh the showcase was on saturday there's a few practices left but that was really the the big production there so we'll try to talk through some takeaways and everything and then the the big news uh, a, a bunch of news coming on the nba draft front with uh, all the guys on ucla men's basketball making their decisions some guys staying some going some still kind of in between uh so we'll break those down and then we got the nfl draft coming up on thursday and uh, there's a bunch of guys who could be going over the weekend. We've got Sean Ryan, uh, Kyle Phillips, Greg Dulcich, Tito Agbonia, Quentin Lake, a bunch of names who, who will be drafted, a bunch of names who will be kind of those priority undrafted free agents. So we'll just kind of run through those, uh, our expectations, what, we, what we're thinking from each of those guys, the, the major players out there. And yeah, um, just want to say if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever, uh, make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications, uh, share, get all that stuff out of the way. We appreciate you listening. Uh, and if you're looking for any extra UCLA content, uh, written or video or any of that, uh, you can head on over to allbruins.com, which is the UCLA site on sports illustrated. Uh, got all the sports covered there, all the big recruiting news, breaking news columns and all that. Um, so without out of the way, let's just hop right into it. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Uh, so Travis, the uh, the spring showcase for UCLA football is on Saturday. Um it was on Pac-12 Network. It was a little weird because it wasn't like a spring game. It was just kind of an extra practice, but in Drake instead of at Wasserman. And uh, it was funny because later in the day, you had USC on ESPN with 30,000 people at the Coliseum. And uh, up in up in Westwood, you got like, you know, 1,500, maybe like 1,800 people just kind of like quietly watching a practice. It was weird. Um but I mean, you still see, I mean, you got Charbonnet back, you got Dorian back, uh, and you got a good interior offensive line, lose some offensive weapons, but you get some new ones in. Um, it, it's hard to judge the, the upcoming season on spring ball. I feel like that's kind of a, a fool's errand, but I don't know, just knowing who's back and just what you've seen or heard uh, through spring practice and everything, the hype, where, how are you feeling about this team a couple months out from from the regular season now? I feel I, look, I, I feel good. I think the big thing is obviously having your quarterback back. You know, he's a senior. 
He's been through the wars. You know, he's a, you know, he, he knows how to win, you know, obviously with last year. I think that that's good for camaraderie for the team. Um, and granted, you know, like, you know, they, there are new weapons and things like that. But I think if you have the quarterback, you know, as you can see in the NFL, it's kind of the same thing in college in a way. If you have a good quarterback kind of leading your way, you can still be, you know, decent as a team. He can cover up a lot of warts. Uh, from what I read from the game, uh, I didn't get a chance to see the whole thing, but from what I read from the, you know, practice or whatever, is that they have talent, you know. They just got to figure out a way to put the all the talent together. Um, you know, to go back to the SC thing, it's probably the happiest they've been in about half a decade. <laughs> That's why, you yeah. know. They, you know, after since, since Sam Darnold left. Yeah. And, and, and I'm dead. And like, that's hundred percent the happiest they've been since Sam Darnold left or since he was there pretty much because, you know, they haven't had anything to cheer about. They haven't they really won anything. That's why this year is like, Oh my God, we got the coach quarterback talent, you know, you know, but as far as UCLA goes, I feel like, you know, they can, they can still win. Like we talked about eight, eight, nine games, you know, if they play, if things work out, um, but they also gonna win like five games. But so, but I think that they'll win. I think they'll win on the higher level of that because of the quarterback. I think the quarterback uh, being a senior, been through it. I think it's, uh, you know, I think they'll have a good season. Yeah. And I think there were different times in this off season where we kind of see, okay, DTR is coming back. Charbonnet is coming back. Um, uh, Chip Kelly's returning, so even if you don't love him or what he's done or accomplished, stability—that's something. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. kick out Jerry as an arrow as defensive coordinator, get a whole new defensive staff with, with some big names. You got Ken Norton. Uh, you get a Kiki Malloy from Washington. Uh, so there, there's definitely stuff to like there. And a different, maybe like even a month ago, uh, right before spring practice is starting, you look at the schedule, you look at how the Pac-12 is shaking out, and like, wow this team might have 10 wins in it. But now after watching a few weeks of spring practice and watching this spring showcase, I think it's brought my expectations down to earth a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough because I think outside of Caleb Williams, uh, who transferred from Oklahoma to USC, Dorian Thomas Robinson is easily the second best quarterback in the Pac-12. Zach Charbonnet mm -hmm. might be the best running back in the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. Chip Kelly might be the best offensive play caller in the Pac-12. And then you, you well, take it over. Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah, you got Lincoln Riley. You got Lincoln Riley. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's second. But yeah. this is Lincoln Riley's first year with a bunch of like new pieces, new uh, uh like a bunch of guys in and out of the transfer portal. Chip, these are the guys Chip has worked with. It's, mm -hmm. it's the point. Mm -hmm. He he can keep things the, the way he wants. He can experiment a little bit, but obviously he he's got the stability down. That's a positive for him. Mm -hmm. Um uh, and and then you take into account that they're playing three kind of cupcake non-conference games. They're going to get three and zero in those. And you're saying, well, okay, so their defense, which was bad last year, is again is the staff improved. And looking at offense, you might have the best offense in the Pac-12 again. At, at worst, second best. So I mean, they're going to be contending, right? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I see. I DTR is great, but I'm, I don't know if he can do it all. Charbonnet is great. But, I mean, you look at those two key parts of your offense and you lost your starting left tackle and your starting right tackle. Yes. And what yes. do you have to replace them? Well, you have Garrett Giorgio, who played one, two games last year when Alec Anderson was hurt uh, and, and was okay in those games, but he had Sean Ryan across from him. Now Giorgio might have to go to left tackle. And you got a basically redshirt freshman playing left tackle, a guy who's unproven. And I don't know about that. He hasn't looked amazing in practice, but it's mm -hmm. early on. We'll see. At right tackle, it's an even bigger mystery. You got Raquan <laughs> O'Neal, the, the Rutgers transfer who's coming in. He hasn't got here for spring, so you're not seeing what you could get out of him. Uh, and then instead you got Josh Carlin as your starting right tackle, and Tyler Manoa, who was a defensive tackle, moved to right tackle. A lot of question marks there um, in terms of what they can give you, how consistently they can give it to you, and how important those two tackle spots were for this UCLA offense. Mm -hmm. uh, you lose Kyle Phillips, you lose Greg Dulcich, you lose Chase Coda, uh, you lose Keontas Lewis, guys who are getting a lot of snaps and targets and a lot of yards and catches. And yeah, you have guys like Jake Bobo from Duke and Titus Mokiao Tamalala coming from UCF 
uh, who are are good transfers. And you'll get Jaden Marshall, the freshman, when he gets here over the summer. Uh, But like you said, those are talented guys, but we'll see how they mesh and how they fit. Is Dorian going to go to Bobo as much as he went to Kyle Phillips? Is he going to go to Titus more than he goes to Cam Brown? And and it's all these things where you, you loved this offense the past two years and it's done great, but you're really going to have to see how much of that was reliant on those pieces and how much of that can be replaced with new pieces and how Chip Kelly can kind of adjust to it. I think the depth at a lot of positions is a big issue. Uh, An offensive line, they only have like 11 out there right now because they got injuries. Um, Sam Yoon, the only offensive lineman recruit coming in, uh, he's not here for spring. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's not ideal defensive line. I think there are six guys at defensive line right now. Uh, Cause the Duke transfer, Gary Smith, uh, he's, he's hurt. We don't know how serious it is. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the Harvard transfer, uh, Jacob Sykes, who hasn't got here yet, but I mean, he was Ivy league coming in. He's a transfer who knows how much he can contribute. So, I mean, you lose Odoa Easy Board to the transfer portal. You lose Caleb Johnson to the transfer portal. You lose Elijah Gidry to the transfer portal. You lose Mitchell Agudi to the transfer portal. And that's all from like February on, like later than you'd expect to lose these key de- defensive pieces. Uh, you're thin at safety. You're thin at corner. Linebacker is the one spot where you have depth. And right now, I mean, Ali Cajo is injured. John John Vons is with the baseball team. Jeremiah Trojan's injured. And you don't want to panic and say they don't look great in spring. So they aren't going to have a good season, but there are definitely these things popping up where you're like, okay, they could get past these, but also they might not. So yeah, I I think I I don't think 10 wins is in the question, but yeah, nine wins is possible. Five wins is two. I mean, that would be (laughs) like absolute disaster because you're winning those three early ones without a doubt. So you'd have to go two and seven in conference. It's probably not going to happen. But mm-hmm. with injuries, depth issues, coaching issues, chemistry, whatever, I mean, I think they'll be bowl eligible. I'd say that's like a 98% chance they're bowl eligible. But if they take a step, step back from eight and four, that's, that's not good. It's not good. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I feel like, um, you know, like what happened with their team is like a lot, a lot of transition, a lot of turnover you know, a lot. And like I said, like you talked about in February, those are like the shocking uh, transfer, you know, transfer protocol people. Like you just like, you name like four or five, six guys who all contributed in some way, show up fashion for the defense last year, who was not bad. Um, Right now in spring is uncertainty because like so many guys are not in, like you talked about, you know, receivers are not in, you know, offensive linemen is not in, defense isn't. Like, it's a lot of things that people that are not into the school, into the program yet. So we can't necessarily judge them or judge any team by, like, spring. You can, you can tell, like, the guys who are returning, you know, and the guys who are going to be starting, superstar-type guys, they're there. Uh, but with UCLA, since they relied so heavily uh, on transfer protocol and other different guys, that it's hard to – evaluate the total team once everybody comes together, you know, after spring, you know, for the summer. Yeah. Uh, and then I think because Dorian's coming back and chips coming back and Charbonnet's coming back, a lot of people will, will say like, Oh, like they're running it back, but it's not like basketball where you return your, your coach and your two best players and you're a preseason top 10 team. There are, 22 starters on offense and defense, let alone special teams. I mean, we haven't, they don't, they don't have a punter right now. (laughs) They just don't have one. They have a few walk on kickers trying to play punter. Uh, So like there's so much more than just saying, Oh, Dorian's back. Charbonnet's back. They're going to be great. Uh, Cause yeah, this is a big transition year. Maybe not as big as we thought because there were times where we thought Dorian and Charbonnet were both going to the draft. So it could have been worse, <laughs> but yeah, it's still yeah. not ideal with all the, the pieces moving out. Um, but I, I do want to go back to uh, just kind of the setup of the showcase and spring practice and the, the general feeling around the team for a sec. And as it relates to USC, where, I mean, you get Lincoln Riley, you get Caleb Williams uh, coming in, and obviously USC's one of the top five 
at worst top 10 programs in the country in terms of accomplishment and hype and just the, the aura around it. Um, and seeing them get 35,000 people at their spring game and not really too many. And it was on ESPN, like a real true ESPN, not like ESPN U or anything. Just, it was on ESPN. And UCLA gets 1,500 people at their track stadium on campus because there's because the Rose Bowl is too far away and they're not going to go there. And, and it's like free to get in. And it's like kind of like a nice low key kind of morning, whatever. It's on Pac-12 Network, which no one can watch because I don't know. It's just, it's we don't just have spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to like cross a like toll bridge or something to to pay someone to get it. It's some whatever. It's just <laughs> I I mean we we talked about it when uh, Lincoln Riley signed with USC, but yeah, UCLA may have missed its window because there is so much hype on this USC train right now. Who knows if they're a 10 win team this year, but they are going to be real factors, Pac-12 contenders every single year for the next forever. Meanwhile, UCLA could be pretty good and no one's going to care. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I think th- this Saturday showed me like so many people say like, oh, win and they'll show up and do this and people will care. And I'm like, you're never going to get even close to coming out of USC shadow. And if you were, the chance was the past four years and you didn't do it. Well, I 100% agree with you. I think in college, in, in NBA, it's about the players, right? Get these three players, even though it's not working necessarily, but like get these players. Well, with the Nets? Or you, yeah, with the Nets. To? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get these certain players and you'll win. But it, like you said, it's not necessarily that. But the, it, it's the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, Nets and Lakers. They're two predicted finalists or whatever. Um, you know, but that's the kind of the quote-unquote uh, thing, like the NBA, you know. And in the NFL, it's like get the quarterback and then you'll be fine. Everything is fine, you know. But college, football especially, college football, get the coach, right? You get the, one of these big-name coaches – and your hype train will be, at least for the first couple of years, will be over the mountain, over the roof. They got Lincoln Riley, who came from Oklahoma, which was a top five program in the country. They were in the dang Final Four uh, every year, pretty much, for the last, you know, four, five, six years, whatever it's been, you know. He's been winning 10, 11 games every year, uh, you know, for the last couple, you know, years. And so he took over from... Bob Stoops and just took them to kept the kept the train rolling and basically took them to a higher level. And so when SC surprisingly got him out of nowhere, I think that it gave SC people hope. And they had hope, like you said, since since Sam Darnold was there, you know? And so these last, you know, years of just muckery that SC's been putting out. And UCLA has been flourishing in that. And I think uh, with, with with the coach Riley coming in, it just brings hope. And people's going to be like, they they have to cling to hope. Because SC's one of those schools that they believe they're like an Alabama, Ohio State, you know, those kind of, you know, a Michigan type where they have so much tradition. They need to be on this level, you know. They can't be – five and seven or four and whatever, like they've been the last couple of years, you know, I always felt like the coach at SC, uh, he was a good coach, but he was more like a Boise state kind of coach. He wasn't a USC kind of coach, you know, this year they have that. So for UCLA to compete, you have to win this year. Like you cannot, like if SC goes seven and five, it's better than what he's been. But UCLA would have to go nine and three. You know, if you if UCLA goes seven and five and SC goes 75, I'm gonna be thinking towards SC for the future. So UCLA, I think, like I don't know if they'll get to 10 wins, but let's just say they get to like they were last year, eight and four, nine and three. They have to be that. They can't go down. But yeah, as as much as I'm tempering my own expectations for what this team can do. Uh, just spent a couple of minutes ranting about it. Um, but I do think that the UCLA USC game of the Rose bowl in November is going to 
decide who finishes above who in the standings. Uh, I think Utah's probably going to win the South. I think Utah's really good. They're returning most of their talent, even though like Devin Lloyd's going and everything. But uh, that's that's going to be huge. And the thing is, I just even if if UCLA is better this year, I think this is it. Like <laughs> because I mean, Lincoln Riley come back for year two, three, four, whatever. And next year, I mean, you lose. I mean, we're talking about how much turnover there is, and then you add Dorian and Charbonnet. And your three returning interior offensive linemen and Stefan Blaylock and just all, all these these guys who, who have been good for you for a few years. And you get to next year and you're really not going to have like anyone from the, this past eight and four team uh, who's, who's still around. You have like Devin Kirkwood is junior, but he's probably good enough well, or he'll he'll forgo his senior year. So after that, like the future is not looking overly bright just because there is no future to look at right now. There's There's no like massive succession plan or huge recruiting classes coming in. I like Justin Martin. He's looked pretty good in, in, in these spring practices. And I like Tamarian Harden and Shamarell. He's running back. So they're pretty good, but they're just such question marks. And who knows what you're getting in, in the future with this team. And I, I think this spring has, has made me a little hesitant, and especially looking across at USC, even if they're not great, I don't want to overreact to spring game and, and all that, but just the hype alone is like, well, I mean, I don't know how many recruiting battles you're going to win now. They're getting like 25 times more people at their spring game than you're getting at yours. Their their stadiums on campus. It's USC, the brand, the the history, and you're just like Chip Kelly is just not going to do anything to try to push this program, push this team. He's a he's an X's and O's guy. He may might be a locker room guy for all we know, but he's not a a program builder. Uh, that's just not his personality. It's not what he's going to do. So yeah, the spring game, all this was an opportunity to build hype and chip Kelly will never do that. That's not his style. No, I, I agree with you. Um, like you said, he's the excellence of those guy, but I will say that he is a program builder because what he did at Oregon, you know, yeah, that was circumstances, everything <laughs> lining up. That was Nike and Phil Knight and him coming up as an offensive coordinator and USC not being very good at that time. And, and the, the way college offenses were developing played into his hand. He, he was able to get those athletes, those, those type of guys like Michael James and, uh, and Marcus Mariota. And, and that was great then. And it, it worked perfectly. You don't want to take that away from him, but it's just something that's so hard to replicate because of, how everything went so perfectly at Oregon. And I don't think he's in that same situation at UCLA. Well, no, I think uh, Oregon, like you said, when you have Phil Knight backing you, you got all these jerseys, you got all this money. And then what happened, like you said, USC stopped being as dominant because that was kind of, he came up literally right after the end of the dominance of Pete Carroll. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they they had saying? sanctions. Carol left. They were churning through coaches, well, mm-hmm, scholarship mm-hmm, and, and postseason stuff, and it was messy. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think that now Oregon will be good, and they'll be they'll be still be very good, but they won't be as dominant as they were. But I think with Chip Kelly, you know, in his system, UCLA is a lot is a little bit harder to because they don't have the backing, like, as far as Oregon does. Like, I can tell you as a person who went to UCLA, and you know as a person who went to UCLA, their main concern is their basketball program being top-notch, top-level. And then everything else kind of falls beneath that. And so I think with the football, and Chip Kelly's great. I think he's a great coach. I just think that, like, he'll never have the resources and – backing that he had at Oregon at UCLA for the football team. It just won't happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is, this is a bigger topic, but I mean, you have, Oh, UCLA is part of the UC system, which takes academics very seriously and not just valuing them, but the, the way they consider them financially and how they shell out money for sports and how they have to have certain things be approved and how different campuses handle things differently. I mean, UCLA's athletic department is like $60 million in debt but the school won't give like a blank check to the, to the athletic department. It's a, it's a loan. It's a short-term thing. It's this and that. And those are, are 
setbacks to all the teams, but especially football, the way college football is, has developed. I mean, there's enough of a base of basketball where it isn't really affecting that. Um, but you do have all these different circumstances and everything to where the way UCLA can overcome them, if they can, is to get a coach who kind of is the opposite of all that, a big name who will go out on the recruiting trail and sell guys hard and push for all this uh, public attention and uh, just all this stuff going on and behind the scenes and getting people hyped. And like I said, Chip Kelly's not going to do that. He's going to play into the conservative kind of low key nature that the UC system and the UCLA university wants that football program to be. Uh, So he's here. (laughs) He signed an extension. Uh, I think that culture aspect, that disconnect is probably the most damaging thing uh, more so than his three losing seasons to start his tenure or all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's not a good fit when you have, when you realize that UCLA needs someone who is anti chip Kelly (laughs) in order to really grow the program and, and build hype. Instead they have chip Kelly, chip Kelly. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. That's pretty much all of the spring football are going to talk uh, today. Let's move on and talk some UCLA men's basketball, NBA draft decisions. Uh, Travis, there was a lot uh, just in the past week and since the last time we talked, too. I mean, first, you had, you had Jaime. Uh, he's coming back for his senior year, his true senior year. Um, And then that that was after Peyton Watson. He declared uh, Jake Kyman's transferred to Wyoming. Um, But then you got Jules Bernard. He declared, but retained his eligibility. So he's probably just going to go to the combine here from scouts and make a decision. Then Uh, the way people are talking about some things I've heard, I'd be pretty confident in saying he's coming back. It's not a sure thing, um, but it seems like he'll end up coming back. Uh, But for now, He's still up in the air, but then you got Johnny Juzang. He's going to the draft. He's locked in. Uh, and then just late Saturday night, um, uh, Ben Bolch from the LA times, he talked to Tiger Campbell's mom, Tiger posted something cryptic on Instagram and he's coming back for, for year four year five, really, if you count the year he tore his ACL. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of action on the decision front. And mm-hmm. as, as we stand right now, a much clearer picture, we still got to hear from, Singleton and Riley and Miles Johnson, if they're going to take their super senior years or transfer or go to the NBA draft, we'll hear on them. But as it stands, you got Jaime back, you got Tiger back. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, definitely. Um, Jaime was a shocker. You know, let's just get that out of the way. Um, to be honest, out of all the guys on the team, he had the biggest upside to be a first round draft pick. You know, a lot of a lot of, you know, people had him as a first-round draft pick, you know, solidly a first-round draft pick, like a 20, you know, 20 to 25 pick, you know. Um, and it's hard to come back for your school uh, if you're a first-round pick guaranteed, I think, you know. So I think his decision uh, was a great one for the program, and maybe he wanted to play with – we talked about it offline, off-air. Maybe he wanted to play with his sister, you know, like his sister would be coming in, who's a McDonald's All-American, McDonald's All-American MVP. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Split it with another that? UCLA commit, Kiki exactly, Ryan, both of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> so I think that he maybe get a chance to play with his sister. Maybe the NIL money he got was just like, dude, I'm getting a million dollars. 
I mean, I don't know if you read it. Oscar Sheway was coming back. He got a $2 million deal from Kentucky <laughs> and AIO. So, yeah, I think it could be maybe some of that. I think um, I, I think with him, maybe you got a little of the injury stuff, too, because he sprained both his ankles. They were yeah, yeah, banged up yeah, and swollen yeah. all year. And, mm-hmm. and maybe he realized, well, they're not going to be fully recovered by the time I go to the combine in the draft. So that might hurt my stock if I try to go through all that injured and teams don't want to take a chance on me. So take the offseason to heal, have another good season and come back next year and, and see where things lie. Well, his skill set is going to transfer easily to the NBA, I think. So it's for him, it's going to be easy transition. I think uh, he, he's a, he could be a stretch four who can play inside and out. So I think that's what he's going to be, you know, unless he tried to play the small forward. But I don't think that's I don't think that one, you know, he's going to be that. I think he's going to be like a stretch four. Yeah, Uh-oh. I think um, uh, just watching the the Nets Celtics series and being a, I grew up a Celtics fan and everything. I think Jaime is kind of like a skinnier Grant Williams. I mean, he who had a couple yeah. of years at Tennessee. He was a really good SEC player. Uh, he'll doesn't have like the crazy muscle definition of some of the freak athletes, but he's bulky and, and and kind of dense body and we'll like kind of muck it up down low on the boards on defense he can take mm-hmm. more threes and mm-hmm. uh I, I think jaime's got a better handle and he doesn't have as much weight uh to to guard fives like like graham williams can but you know there's there's some comps there that would make you think that he can fit in pretty well once he eventually does go to the nba exactly i think that like i said maybe he wants to show that he could be the guy the main guy not just yeah. you know like one of the guys because i think that Jaime would be the main guy next year. You know, that's just my opinion. So that's, that's, that's one. Uh, you know, I honestly thought that, uh, you know, Jules Bernard and, and, uh, dang, like, you know, and uh, Johnny Juzang could have came back, you know, because I felt Johnny Juzang had a really up and down year, started up kind of high when it was beating Vanderbilt and he was averaging like 18, 19 points a game. And then he, he got hurt and just like it just it was a really roller coaster year from him. And I don't even think he really finished that good. I think he finished on a low note. And I think some players like Caleb Love and other players like that surpassed him in the draft like outlook. You know, Duke Duke had four or five guys go, you know, and some all of them are ahead of, you know, Johnny. So it'll be interesting to see like what happens with him in this draft. I think he was just like, he was going to go no matter what, uh, if he had a good year or bad. So Jules Bernard is kind of like the, you know, like 50, 50 guy. I feel like he's either or, but I think next year, no matter what happens with, uh, you know, Niles Johnson, which I think he'll come back for a super duper senior year. I don't think he's going to the NBA. Or anything. He don't seem like that type of guy. Um, and the other guys, I think they'll, they'll all come back. That's why uh, I think this year will be a good year of youth coming in, talented youth, and veteranship. Um, they would be the number one team in the country next year if, if Peyton Watson came back. But obviously, Peyton Watson thought that his game was more ready for the NBA. I would say that another year could have helped him. Um, but the fact that he said, I'm going and he, he hired the agent right away, you know, which was shocking to me. Cause I was like, you can still go and then stay in, but maybe have eligibility. But the fact that you hire an agent, uh, you know, like you're, you know, like it's boom or bust, you know, for him. And I don't see him on any other draft, you know, list as far as yeah, like a- I, I think the, the thing with Peyton Watson is, you got to look at kind of who's in his circles, who's in his ear, who's talking to him. Cause I mean, obviously like all, they call these guys, they're surrounded by family and uh, potential agents and, and real agents and uh, coaches and, and high school coaches and AAU coaches and all these people telling them different things are the same thing. Uh, and then their own opinion too, obviously. So uh, apparently this is whatever he heard or was thinking, this is the thing that weighed heavily like he he was he ended up leaning more towards NBA and and pretty considerably considering he didn't uh, give himself a chance to come back. I do think um, that just looking at the the mock drafts and big boards since he declared and the ones that kind of in the past week or so, uh, he is popping up on it more. I think the reason he w- was kind of absent from those before is because most people assumed he was coming back, so they weren't going to include him. Um, 
So I guess that's good news for him. He wasn't being excluded because they thought he sucked. <laughs> uh, it's just because, you know, they they didn't get the right read on his decision. And, and now he's decided he'll go to the combine and um, we'll see from there. Um, I, I think most people would say he probably would be better served to come back for another year, get some more development. But at the same time, he might just be ready and say, I know I'm okay being an early second round pick, sign a two way, play half the season in the G League, maybe the full season in the G League, and then go from there. Maybe that's just where he wants to go with his career, and and that's totally fine too. I, I think with with Johnny Juzang, um, you had a guy who last summer when he said he was coming back, he's like, "Yep, one more year, that's it. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna leave, I'm gonna go." It's the same kind of thing. We're like, yeah, I think he is just saying, you know what. I'm not popping up in too many mock drafts. Some of them have me towards the end of the second, mid second, if that. Um, so he'll take a second round pick. Uh, if he shows out at the combine does better there than he did last year. Um, and just playing the G league. I, I think a, a bunch of these guys are just kind of accepting that as a path. Now you have so many guys declare early every year now where you have a bunch of guys who, who have followed that path. You had Moses Brown uh, a couple of years ago from UCLA center seven, two, uh, seven, one, whatever it was, uh, he went undrafted and he went to the summer league and signed with the, the rockets and they didn't pick up his contract. Then he goes to the trailblazers and they, he's on their roster, but doesn't do anything. Then he goes to the, the thunder and actually finally makes it past the G league and to the NBA consistently. He's getting starters minutes, but, and then he goes to the Mavericks in a three-team trade. And then he goes to the Cavs and like, he's bouncing around, but he is playing in the NBA. So mm-hmm. I think Peyton Watson sees that and says, you know what, if I got to tough it out in the G league for a bit and, and just kind of coast a little bit, I mean like work hard, but not be not under that spotlight. That's okay. Just work on my game and, and hoop have, have some fun, make some money, eventually work my, my way up by developing Moses Brown followed that path. Peyton Watson might be able to, too. a guy who was a freshman, a little raw, could have used some more development, but just saw his chance and he's going to take it anyways. I agree with you. There was a show that came on last week after the NBA called The Pathway, where they followed Jalen Green. They followed Knicks from UCLA. They followed oh, yep. uh, Todd. I can't think of the guy who, guy who committed. To, uh, Isaiah Todd? Isaiah Todd, who yeah. committed to Michigan. And then mm-hmm. he ended up, and then obviously Kaminga. Yeah. You know, and I felt that, you know, Perry Watson is similar to Knicks, you know. Knicks was going to UCLA. Perry Watson went to UCLA. I felt that Knicks should have went to college, you know, and granted he just signed a deal, like a two or three year deal with Houston, but like he would have been way best served to go to college, you know? Yeah. And the fact that he went for the money in the G league, that's cool. And like I said, I mean, I respect that, but I just felt like, you know, like sometimes college is better. It'll showcase what you really can do a little bit better than the, the G League uh, team can. And so I think, um, you know, Watson, I think that like, I think, it, but that's what happens when you have a lot of people in the year, like you talked about. Uh, when you have, you know, a lot of people thinking like, well, he's my ticket, you know, so why not go pro? Man, you're good enough. Let's get this money train rolling now. But I think it's not only about just being physically uh, or, you know, ready. It has to be mental. And you have to learn how to read the game. You know, like a lot of these guys who come early and they're just athletes or things like that, they don't know how to read the game. You know, there's exceptions. Obviously, Mobley was an exception from SC last year, you know. Um, And there are exceptions, exceptional players. I just feel like. You know, guys who really come in and be successful in the NBA are guys who know how to read the game. You know, they might come after their sophomore year. They might come to junior, might come after their senior. I don't know. But they they learn how to read the game to make themselves successful. And sometimes I feel like don't be in a rush just to make the money. Or, you know, because you'll be, like you said, a journeyman, hopping from team to team to team rather than having a great career on one team. Yeah, I think that's a, maybe a bit of a, a generational thing uh where i mean kobe was with the lakers his whole career paul pierce until he was old and went to the nets for a little bit he was at the celtics his whole career uh and, and obviously you had jordan who just i mean had his thing with the wizards at the end and you had tom brady with the patriots but now you got like 
no, I'm Kyrie. I'm the number one pick. I had like three games in college and, and I was great <laughs> with the Cavs. And then he's like, mm, I'm going to go to the Celtics. Nah, I don't like it. I'm going to go to the Nets. And he's going to eventually be like, nah, I don't like it. I'm going to go to the Mavericks or whatever. Like something, whatever. Where I think some of these guys are like, yeah, I don't mind taking the long way. I'm just going to do this my way. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to, it's kind of speculation. I'm just trying to like put the pieces together here. So maybe it's some guy saying like, Oh, I mean, Giannis came in as a, as a stick who didn't play any minutes. Uh, and now he's a two-time MVP. Jokic was a second round pick uh, out of nowhere and, and he was an MVP. So, I mean, I can go from the G league to the NBA I and mean, Kamingo is just a first round pick and, and Jalen Groom is just a first round pick. So, I mean, I can sign a G league contract, a two-way contract, work my way up to a roster and, and show myself off then. Cause I, believe in myself and everything so I, I think there's a, a lot less of an emphasis on the the security of getting college degree and getting a guaranteed first round contract and all these things where you think through logically you're like well yeah they should definitely want those and they should need those in order to move on to that next level but there are just so many extra factors now where a lot of these guys are probably like whatever I'm I'm gonna do me and it'll it'll work out in the end, which for a lot of them probably will because they're all really good basketball players. <laughs> well, no, I agree with you. I think, like I said, I think uh, people forget. You know, like they think about Kobe coming out of high school, McGrady, Garnett. Uh, Kobe struggled big. You know, his first year, he barely played. He averaged seven points a game. Um, he thought he was better than what he was. You know, he thought he was the second best two guard, the best two guard in the league. Obviously, he became that, but it took him a while to struggle to get to that point. Now, um, do I think that you know players can you know like do your way? Yes, and be successful. Yes, and but there's nothing wrong with him to go to a different way. You know, so either way, like I said, I don't knock either way. But I just feel like some players, uh, they can change their whole career setting if they did a different way, you know. I think Perry Watson, if he would have came back this year and played well, he would be a guaranteed first-round pick because of his athleticism, his, his, you know, like motor, his engine and all that. And now, like you said, he's going to be a G League kind of like, you know, second-round probably second round player, you know, but I think, uh, you know, that's his journey. I'm happy for him. I want him to be successful and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a, an interesting thing I've picked up on. And it happened when guys were declaring for the NFL draft in like January too, um, where you look at the message boards and the Facebook comments and Twitter and everything. When, when new, the news drops of these, these guys declaring and you get, fans ucla fans saying like oh you idiot what are you doing like oh you should have come back like you'll never make it i'm like wait what <laughs> just yeah, say like yeah. oh good luck man wish you could have come back it, mm. that, that discourse is so bizarre to me i will never understand it i mean there can be like an analytical discussion of should he come back or should he not come back did he make the right decision where where are his options right now and that's fine mm. but mm. to like demonize these guys or or just totally like throw them under the bus and like, I didn't want you anyways. You suck. You're never going to make it in the NBA. You're, you'd be lucky to sign a, a contract in Singapore. You loser. Say, <laughs> what? I go, stop it. Just come on. I, I, I hate that whole thing. No, I agree with you. I think, um, well, first NFL, half the league is undrafted. So you can go pro. Early, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I and not get drafted and go to the right situation because you got to get drafted. So, Look at the New England Patriots. Uh, damn, near half their starters are like undrafted <laughs> players. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's that's the thing. And you're right. Like, remember, always fan is short for fanatic. So the fanatics of each team was like, oh, you suck. You leaving us. You know, he's a human. He's going and he's moving on. And yeah. uh, I I wish nothing best, nothing but the best for all the players at the UCLA. Like, because I want them to be super successful. Because what that does that bring? That brings successful back to UCLA. Like, look at this guy, that guy, that you know, you know, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, um, you know, I was Zach Levine, all these guys you know, who went to UCLA are doing successful. 
Um, we want that because that means UCLA is successful. So, yeah, you get you get someone like Levine who was a hyper athletic freshman who came off the bench, and I mean, if he had come back another year, he could have started. Maybe UCLA could have got past the Sweet Sixteen and, and all these things. And but I mean, what would you really give up like a Sweet Sixteen versus Elite Eight instead, or have Zach Levine, who's like a leading scorer on the Bulls, he's a two-time All Star. Uh, the just getting so much buzz around the program for someone who's so good. Drew Holiday, who had one year at UCLA, was really young, ended up getting picked by the 76ers. Mm. I mean, was he an NBA player right off the bat? I don't know. I mean, he was pretty good in those early years, but then he kind of developed. He went to New Orleans. He goes to Milwaukee. And then he wins the NBA championship. Uh, and a gold medal and like the NBA teammate of the year or like the, the uh, maybe it's like a community service thing all mm-hmm. in one summer. And think of how much press and good press that got UCLA in that one month span, just from <laughs> Drew Holiday, 13 years down the line, mm-hmm. say, who, who was a one and done guy who maybe wasn't the, the five-star superstar that he should have been in college. Uh, but he left anyways. And it paid off for the program in the long run. No, I definitely agree. Look, I came in with a player who was a five-star recruit who could have probably went after his freshman year if he didn't get hurt in Baron Davis. You know, mm-hmm. Baron was the number one point guard in the country coming into college, uh, coming in here, coming into college out of high school um, in a loaded class. And he, if he won the towards ACL or the second to last game against Michigan, he probably would have went after his freshman year. Um, he came back got his knee right and still went number five in the, you know, or number four in the draft the next year. So I think that like, it's just, you know, like I said, it's different ways to get to the, get to the uh, promised land. If you will get to the pot of gold. And so, like I said, it's uh, whatever way that you get there, it's fine. I just, for me, I always want players just to make the, the best decision for themselves, not for everybody who's surrounding them. Are you planning ahead for a big expense? Don't put those car repairs or medical bills on a high-interest credit card. Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that can save you money while you pay off your purchase. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free and won't affect your credit scores and could save you money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Before we wrap things up here, Let's move from NBA draft to NFL draft. That starts on Thursday uh, with the first round and get the second and third round on Saturday and four through seven mm-hmm. uh, on, or uh, yeah, four through sevens on Saturday. Um, and it's going to be a big year uh, for UCLA football, probably the, the biggest year they've had since that Josh Rosen, uh, Colton Miller, Questenberry, Lasley, Kenny Young year in, in 2018. This, I mean, you're not going to have two first round picks this year, but I mean, you got uh, Sean Ryan, left tackle. You got Alec Anderson, right tackle. Paul Gratton, left guard. Uh, and then uh, you got Kyle Phillips, receiver. Greg Dulcich, tight end. Uh, you got Daytona Jackson and Otita Ogbonia as defensive tackles. Uh, you got Jordan Jamar Keith as a linebacker. Quentin Lake is a safety. Quantrez Knight is a nickel safety corner hybrid. You got Obi Ebo and Cam Johnson as corners. There's a lot of names who are out there who are going to be in the draft pool. Uh, and some will get drafted, some won't, some will sign <laughs> drafted contracts. But I mean, it's it's good. There, there's gonna be, I mean, I was talking earlier about the hype and the lack of it around this program. Um, but this is gonna be a good weekend for that. It's gonna be a little boost. People will be talking UCLA, they'll be trending on social media, there'll be segments about these guys on the NFL network and ESPN and that's a pro that's positive. Yeah. You'd like there to be first round talent, but I mean, you don't get that every year. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have Sean Ryan and Greg Dulcich going the second, that's pretty good. You like to yeah. see that. And that's good for them. 
Oh, no, definitely. I think UCLA has a lot of guys who will be those second-day guys, you know, second, third, second, third-day guys. I think they have a lot of two through six talent, you know. Uh, and the guy, like I said, the NFL is so different that, like, half the league's undrafted, so it doesn't really matter, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, the rookies who are first-round picks, they're less – they won't get cut as easy as a guy in the seventh round yeah. or sixth round – uh, Cause they have those guaranteed contracts. But to be honest, like if you're an undrafted free agent, you get to pick your spot really, you know, pick who's yeah. interested in, in one. So these first round guys might go to terrible teams <laughs> and be stuck there for five years or seven years, you know, to be honest, um, where the guys who are undrafted get to go to whatever team they want to and whatever team, like say this team needs a wide receiver, this team needs a running back. You can actually try to, you know, get to those kind of teams. Um, you know, I, even when I, I feel like this year, like this might be the year that you see, they might get more guys drafted in SC, be honest. Now, obviously SC has the highest level of talent in Drake London. Um, he'll be a top 10 pick most likely. Um, and maybe say one of one of the defense alignment, but to be honest, like the UCLA will probably get more guys drafted in SC this year. Um, as far as just like, you know, two through six talent, second rounds, two through six. Yeah, I think uh, it's looking like Greg Dulcich is going to be the highest guy to go for UCLA. And, and like you said, he's not going to go uh, Drake London high. Drake London could be top 10. Uh, yeah. He could go to, to the Jets or something and then he'll, he'll, he'll end up in a good spot. Um, but yeah, Greg Dulcich, um, let's see where he's being projected. Yeah, day two, but... I mean, looking at different scouts and, and uh, draft experts and everything, some of them and, and some teams have Dulcich as their number one tight end on the board. It looks like uh, just all around, not too many people have him lower than number three for tight ends. So, I mean, he's much higher rated than Caleb Wilson, who was Mr. Irrelevant a couple of years ago, uh, 2019. Uh, he's much higher rated on these boards than even Devin Asiasi, who was a late third to the Patriots a few years ago. Um, so just looking at that, I mean, and, and, uh, if there's definitely a trend in the NFL to have two tight ends, uh, maybe if, if not on the field at the same time, which that depends more on the coach and Uh and the, the system, just in terms of roster building, it seems like there are a lot of teams who like to have multiple tight ends as options to, to switch them out, have specialists or, or, uh, as like a misdirection kind of thing. You look at the the Bucks. They had OJ Howard, they had Cameron Britt, and Rob Gronkowski. And oh, speaking of the Bucks, quick quick side note. Yeah. Shocker! If this is wouldn't shock me if this happened, right? Kyle is number one tight end, right? All right. All right. Wait, the wait. Kyle Phillips receiver or Greg Dulcich tight end? Greg, 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 Greg. I'm sorry, Greg, Greg. Greg yeah, yeah. He's number one tight end, right? If Rob Gronkowski doesn't come out of retirement. Don't be shocked if the Bucks take him at number twenty-eight or whatever. <laughs> that, that that's bold. That would be very fun, and and just the the narrative of it with with Brady and Gronk and and kind think of as a it. successor. Yeah, <laughs> that, think be about fun. it. You know, because like they don't have a lot of money to pay. You know, any other free agent like Gronk will slide in if he you know eight million, seven million, whatever it is, right? Now, you could do that with Gronk. Or if Gronk says, no, I'm done. I got my four rings. I'm okay. Don't be shocked because they need a tight end. I, I, I thought where you were going with that was Kyle Phillips to, to the Bucks. I mean, not that it would be first round. Kyle Phillips probably going to be like maybe a fifth round pick or something. Yeah, that that yeah, sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He might be a little redundant with Scotty Miller. Um, but... Man, would I love to see Kyle Phillips work with Tom Brady? <laughs> I mean, as a coming from a, a Patriots perspective, Kyle Phillips is exactly the kind of guy I want in the past. <laughs> I mean, he said back at the combine, he said, and he said since that uh, he's talked with the Patriots coaches. Um, obviously, just looking at him, a short white slot receiver, you see, <laughs> oh, there's Wes Welker, there's Julian Edelman, there's our guy. And it's funny because the Patriots are trying to run a similar offense in terms of those quick passes, those short routes under Mac Jones that they had under Tom Brady. 
but they don't have that guy that Brady always had, which makes it a kind of weird thing. And they, they have a couple decent receivers and uh, they added Devonte Parker, who's kind of like a 50, 50 ball deep threat. Um, and there, there are some other good options coming back for the Patriots, but they don't have the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker guy. Kyle Phillips can be that. I'm just saying <laughs> Patriots have a bunch of those mid round picks and uh, Chip Kelly, Bill Belichick have a, have a tight relationship. I would be blown away. So how many, how many UCLA guys are in this draft pool? How, like what are, how many names did I list off like 13. If there is not a UCLA Bruin signed to a or drafted or signed an undrafted free agent contract by the end of this weekend, I will be shocked. Like it has to be someone because like like Jordan Jenmar Keith for a Notre Dame transfer who goes to UCLA is good locker room leader. Like, could he go to a Patriots mini camp? Absolutely. Ethan Fernea who went from receiver to running back. He he was a a walk-on. He was here for six years, uh, fought through injuries and with a broken wrist or whatever it was, was playing special teams. He was a gunner for the, for UCLA. And he was at their pro day at UCLA's pro day a month ago. And he looked fast. Like you, you look at him and he's not the most, he's, he's a pretty unassuming looking guy. I mean, he's, he's not skinny or fat or anything, but he's like, yeah, that's, that's like a dude. It's just like a normal looking dude. <laughs> but when I tell you like that dude can fly like sub four five speed mm-hmm. uh, for a guy like that, he's like, I get drafted because he's, just a, a special teamer at this point. He doesn't have the the skills at, at an NFL level to be a real pass catcher or ball carrier or anything. But you're telling me that the Patriots who've had Matt Slater as like a 12 time pro bowler on special teams, they're not going to take a chance on Ethan Frenet at a rookie mini camp next month. No yeah. way. There's, I, I want to put money. I don't know if there's a prop bet out there. Uh, I'll, I'll go check bet online in a bit, but come on. Uh, UCLA to Patriots thing, just the way that Belichick <laughs> and Chip Kelly have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Kyle Phillips, Jordan Jim Marquise, Quentin Lake, he's he's an NFL legacy. His his dad was playing for the Steelers in the '90s and everything. You don't think Bill Belichick, who is the Giants' defensive coordinator, and he's such an NFL historian and and a very nostalgic guy when it comes to football, you don't think he, w- he sees a guy like Quentin Lake, who's high IQ player, pretty good physical traits, and says. Oh, that's Carnell's son. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely drafting him in the sixth round. That's definitely going to happen. Some one of these dominoes is going to fall. UCLA, the Patriots. There's some connection there. I guarantee it. Oh no, I can agree with you on that. I think eventually, you know, like you said, six, seventh round, six, seven round is 50, 50. I mean, first round is 50, 50, but you have to pay them. Six, seven round is probably 70, 30, you know, just because like, you just really don't know where you're getting in the sixth, seventh round. You know, um, it could be a player that you could keep. It could be a player that could be cut in a week in training camp. You just don't know. Um, so it could be, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I guarantee you, a UCLA guy will be on on the Patriots this year too. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much going to be it uh, for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA, presented by Bet Online. You might. Maybe have a bonus episode coming up later in the week, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we definitely want to talk a little bit more about the NFL draft with so many UCLA guys going in. Uh, it's definitely a, a big departure from the past couple of years uh, where there was really only a handful of guys picked uh, weird COVID stuff with pro days and combines, and now this is a real full UCLA draft class that will definitely be fun to keep an eye on all weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, again, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, Google, wherever, make sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, download, all that fun stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Travis, thank you for co-hosting with me again today. Uh, Where can people find you and your work online? All right. Well, like I said, I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying, man? I I missed you. Like I said, I'm glad we're (laughs) back together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, You can find me at at Travis W. Reed on Instagram, R-E-E-D. Um, and Travis W. Reed on Facebook, pretty much also, uh, I, I post all my social media and everything there. Uh, you know, my show and athletes journey, we're officially on YouTube now. Um, so I post the link on my, on my page and my stories and, you know, things like that. So if you, if you want to see the link, just go to my page. And like I said, you'll see, 
uh, you know, all the interviews that I do with all the players I've done, um, they'll be on YouTube as well as Spotify, you know, and uh, Apple Podcasts. Sounds good. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan. Uh, and then I am the publisher and managing editor over at All Bruins, the UCLA site on Sports Illustrated. You can follow us on Twitter at si.allbruins or on Facebook at si underscore all Bruins. So make sure to check those out as well. Head over to the site and get all that written UCLA content. I would appreciate if you guys went over there too. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.